right, well, let's do this. Um, finish up those last final handshakes there, and then you can take a seat, as many of you already have. Um, we have a special guest this morning that, that is due a warm welcome, uh, Nick Vojcic, who's going to come and share his heart and his heart for Christ and, and, uh, and get to share a little bit of his story and how much Jesus has impacted him. Uh, so let's give a warm welcome to Nick this morning as he's here in the building. And then watch, enjoy this introductory video right here. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. No one's ever told me that they loved me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here unchanged. Leave here unchanged. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. By the grace of God, we have seen face to face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet, seven billion people. We believe that this goal is possible as the Holy Spirit is gathering an army and building up supporters to send us and accomplish this mission. Good morning, church. Did you enjoy the video? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you for your welcome. You may be seated. I appreciate that.
Love you very, very much. That video was done in 2012, and in 2013, by the grace of God, we preached over 26 countries, met with eight presidents in that one year, spoke to five governments uh, for an hour, and uh, a, centered, a Jesus-centered message, and uh, 12 countries put us on TV for an entire hour um, for free, preaching the gospel, um, and a total in that one year in 2013, we preached the gospel to 400 million people. Um, you haven't started my timer yet, so I'm going to do 40 minutes from now because you haven't started it yet, all right? Um, the year after, in 2014, we were able to preach to another 100 million people, and then seven or eight weeks ago, I was on Russian TV for an hour and a half, and we preached the gospel message there as well. So to this point, Life Without Limbs has preached the gospel to 600 million people, and we've seen out of the six million people face-to-face, 600,000 souls say yes to Jesus Christ. Can we give God all the glory? Amen. Um, Pastor Pat, it's so awesome to be here. Thank you so much for the introduction. Thank you to all of the leadership here. Thank you to your church for opening up your home. We love you, and uh, we just uh, are, are thrilled to be able to, to be here, and I hope that your heart is touched. Uh, being the first service of the morning, um, I'm going to say a couple funny jokes just to make sure you're awake. Um, uh, as, as, our, as we travel a lot, there are a couple funny things that have happened along the way. And I just want to give you a warning that if you are sometimes a person to take notes, this is definitely the sermon to take notes on. I'm going to be quoting about eight or nine different scriptures. We're not going to have time to read through them, but I'm going to quote them. And uh, as I'm speaking, these eight or nine verses are things that you can go back to when you're having a bad day. If you're a person who says, no, I'm not the person to take notes, this is the time to start. Um, so I'm originally from Australia, um, and I have an amazing family. I think we have the photo up on cue. My wife, Kanae, she's half Japanese, half Mexican, Japsican, and... Um, our son, Kiyoshi, he's two and a half years old. He's my height, and he gives me high fives on my shoulder sometimes, and sometimes high fives on my face. And um, I didn't let you applaud because I want you to applaud after this. We're waiting for our second boy to arrive in nine weeks, so. They'll be joining us later. Um, so we're so excited. We have our 10th year anniversary. We're doing this West Coast Stand Strong tour, 11 stops, 2,000 miles. Uh, we're very, very um, honored to be here in your church. And, um, you know, as I travel around the world, many people ask me, you know, what happened, especially kids. I love it when kids come up and say, what happened? Um, and I just say, cigarettes. The truth is, uh, my parents don't know why I was born this way. My doctors don't know why I was born this way. Lady Gaga doesn't know why I was born this way. And um, just one of these things that happened. My brother and sister have arms and legs. Uh, my sons have arms and legs. And um, just one of these things. And, and there are times where we feel like we want answers, right? 
Of course we want answers. And I had many questions. And the big question was, why me? God, if you love all the children, all the children of the world, then why did you give me less than all the others? And I didn't understand. How can my dad from the pulpit be preaching about the love of God when I was born without limbs? And every morning they would tell me, Nick, don't worry, you're beautiful, you're special, God has a plan for you. And I'm thinking, um, really? Can I suggest a plan B, right? First verse, I want you to write down Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, give you hope and a future. Not a hope, but hope. Hope is everything. And I was looking for hope, and there were some people who came up to me with their own theories of hope. Some people say, well, all you need is a positive attitude. You know those people? Yeah. All you need is a positive attitude. I feel, feel like headbutting them in the face and saying, just have a positive attitude. Positivity is not enough when your 13-year-old son has leukemia and you do not know where he's going after his last breath. Someone came up to me when I was 12 years old at an airport and she came up and she said, do you know why you were born this way? And I said, no, I don't. She said, well, have you ever wondered if it's reincarnation? And I said, what's that? She said, oh, I actually think it's reincarnation, really. And I said, well, explain it. She said, well, it's very simple. In your previous life, you were a very, very bad boy. I said, thanks. She said, no, 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 no. But now that you're a good boy, you're going to come back in the next life, maybe as a butterfly. And I'm thinking, woman, you don't know how many butterflies I've run over in my wheelchair. I don't want to be a butterfly. I want to have arms and legs. If I can just have arms and legs, then I'm going to be okay. If I can just have arms and legs, then I've got everything I need. That's what I thought. Now at 32 years old, now I realize that arms and legs are just going to give me arthritis later on anyway. But when I was a child, I pleaded for God, God, please give me arms and legs. Please give me arms and legs. Your Bible says that you love me. The Bible says that, that, that you care for me. The Bible says that you can do all things. The Bible is full of miracles. Is the God of the Bible still the God of the God we're talking about today, the same God that can do miracles today in your life? Yes or no? Yes. I, I've actually seen out of 400, can you turn me down a little bit so I can scream a little bit louder? I've, I've actually prayed for about 400 and 400, about 450 people face to face for a miracle to happen right in front of us. Okay? Out of 400 people that we specifically prayed for a miracle for that if it came true, it would happen right there and we would all know about it. 13 miracles happen. I've seen blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, lame people walking, crooked backs come straight. Okay? I've seen skin diseases fall off bodies. We prayed for a 17-year-old on his deathbed, and the next morning he's doing literally cartwheels out of the halls with the doctor's jaws on the floor. I have a pair of shoes in my closet just in case God says yes to me. <laughs> of course, why not? 
when you've seen it. I mean, it's real. Some people don't believe in God because they can't see it. They, they don't believe that miracles still happen. They do. Well, then why doesn't God heal my aunt of cancer? That was the same question for me. When I was six years old, I begged for God to not let my first cousin die of cancer, bowel cancer. 27 years old, he died of bowel cancer. And I pleaded for God with tears, Lord, please don't take my cousin away. But he took him home. You see, home is the greatest gift of all where there is no sadness, no death, no sorrow, no devil, no power and principality and power of darkness. God did not intend for us to be in a broken world of death. He made the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve who had no belly button. And when they chose to not believe what God said, then they were a sinner. Because God created them, they sinned against their creator. When you sin against God, well then that's up for God to decide what to do with the sinner. The law is that you can live with me in the Garden of Eden and live forever for as long as you obey my command. One thing he didn't take away was free will. And because we have free will, there has to be a choice for free will to actually be executed. Are you with me? If there was never a choice and there's no free will, He allowed the serpent to come into the garden for Adam and Eve to choose. He allows the devil to go around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, kill, and destroy. God is not the author of pain on this planet. It is the devil and his demons themselves. But what God can use, I tell you right now, what the enemy tried to do for bad, God can use for good. That's when you realize that you can't do anything with your broken pieces. That your intellect can only take you so far. That your wisdom can only take you so far. That your strength can only take you so far. That your body can only take you so far. But Jesus can take you all the way into eternity. And I don't know what you want, but I'll tell you right now. Money, drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, fame, and fortune. If you put your happiness in temporary things, your happiness will be temporary. And you can hide maybe from your family some secrets, but I'll tell you, you can't hide that from God, and you can't hide it from yourself. And you will never be complete in your own spirit and mind and heart and soul until you actually be cleansed in an active relationship with Jesus Christ, which means that you turn away from the lies that have taken you away from the truth and you are set free indeed, meaning that you don't need to sin. You don't need your plan. You just need God's plan. For that to happen, you need a thing called faith. What's faith? Hebrews 11.1, being certain of things hopeful, sure of the unseen. Do you know what the biggest disability of all is? Fear. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, full assurance in the heart. To believe in something you don't see doesn't make sense. Here's a quick example. How many feet do I have? I love my little foot. I got two toes. Peace, how you doing? I can type 43 words a minute on a normal computer and after two cups of coffee, 53 words a minute, all right? (laughs) How many feet do I have? Put your hand up right now if you believe I only have one foot. Go. 
Ah, you like my only word right there, right? Okay, put your hand down. Put your hand up if you think I have two feet, go. Where are, where are the rest of you? What do you guys think? <laughs> what are you thinking, three? Is that what you're thinking, three? Really, four? Okay, so here's the truth. The, wait a second, my shorts are a little. I actually have two feet. We have a little shy one here. One second, one second, it's a little cute. Oh my goodness, my short shorts are a little long today. Three seconds. No, I can't get it out. One second, here we go. Get out here, man. Can you see it? Oh, you saw a little glimpse of it. Here it is, here it is. Oh my gosh. There it is! I knew it was there. Now, did you see it beforehand? No. Did it exist? Yes. Can something exist without you seeing it? Can God exist whether you believe in Him or not? Can His rules supersede your rules? Could His plan be better than your plan? That's what I did not believe at age eight. In fact, I said, God, if you give me arms and legs, I'll go around the whole world and I'll preach the gospel and I'll show them that you're real and they'll see that I have arms and legs miraculously. At age eight, that was my, my sobbing, sobbing, tearful um, prayer. At age eight, I started getting bullied at school like crazy. I went into depression. At age 10, I tried to commit suicide because of the lies, saying, Nick, you're not good enough. Nick, just give up. Nick, God doesn't love you. All these fearful conclusions. Fearful conclusions that I came up with. And the truth is there. You've got to look for it. Nick, you'll never get married. You can't even hold your wife's hand. Even if you had kids, you can't even hold your kids when they're crying. Just give up. You ask God for arms and legs, he's not even real. The only reason why I decided to stay was because my parents did nothing but love me and encourage me after every day at school, they would make my home feel like a refuge. And I didn't wanna leave them with that pain of burying me, so I decided to stay not knowing what was ahead. You see, because you don't know what's around the corner till you go around the corner. Does that make sense? And you don't know what beautiful miracles can come from your broken pieces until you give your broken pieces a chance. And I don't know what you can do with your regrets, and I don't know what you can do with your failures, and I don't know what you can do with your addiction, but I know what God can do. And He loves you. Your value is not determined on what people think of you or what job you have or what money you have. You're a child of God. Every single girl, you're beautiful just the way that you are. I want you to know that many people are stressed in this world and they're waiting for something. They're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for what? Well, if I could just eight-year-old kids. I mean, they just, they just can't wait to get out of elementary school. They just can't wait for their siblings to stop annoying them. They just can't wait for, for I don't know, the next toy, the next game, the next whatever. They're always waiting for something before they feel happy. And then you look at the 13 year olds and you know, they're saying, oh my gosh, my body's changing and my friends are backstabbing me and my parents don't understand me and I put a do not disturb sign on my door and they still come and annoy me. <laughs> I wish I had different parents. 
Then you have the 17-year-old saying, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is so stressful now because now I have to get the grades that I need to get at school to then get into the best college. And if I can just get into the best college, then everything's going to be what? Okay. They get into the best college and nothing's okay. They're like, high school was a breeze. I actually have to do something now. Now they're in college and now they're totally stressed because now they have to find a J-O-B, which spells a? And so they sacrifice all their life to go through school and get the best college and then get the best grades and then they get into the dream job they've always dreamt of. And when they get the job, they say a prayer after 48 hours. They say, dear Lord, seriously? I worked all my life to work for this guy. He's the devil's son himself. And then the single people are waiting to get married. Oh, if I can just get married, then everything's going to be okay. If you ain't happy single, you ain't going to be happy married. Can you hear an amen? Those are the married people. <laughs> so my question today is what are you waiting for? Are you an active Christian? If I know that I have cancer and a doctor has a cure in a vaccination and as I go get my vaccination and I get cured of some disease because of this vaccination and the doctor informs me that every single human being is infected with this and they just got to come to the doctor and get a cure, send them. How many would I send and how many would I not send? It's interesting. It, it's entertaining for me, don't handcuff me if you don't like my doctrine, but it's entertaining to me to imagine heaven as geographically mapped out like planet earth. And you're saved, let's say you're saved, and, and you go home, and you have a mansion, and you, once you've done a beautiful tour of your beautiful mansion, and you realize that your streets is made of gold, so I don't know what your driveway is made out of, but your street is made of gold, and you go on the street and you look down your cul-de-sac. I wonder how many houses would not be built on your cul-de-sac. I wonder how many neighbors never made it. Someone had to tell you the truth for you to be free. And we quickly get comfortable in just doing the routine thing. We get too busy for God, B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. Do you know how a church grows? Do you know how this church will be filled every service? Is when you realize that you're an evangelist and you know the doctor who has the vaccination, the cure for two disabilities, two diseases called sin and death. And the growth of your home is not dependent on this pastor. You men, listen to me very carefully. You're the spiritual leaders of the home, not your pastor. You are. And if I, as a father, don't read my Bible every day, how do I think that I'm going to impart 
a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ to my own kids when I'm too busy to even pray with my wife and read the scriptures. And don't tell me that I'm an evangelist just on stage. You watch, if you ever see me anywhere in any coffee shop, if I'm looking at someone, they're looking at me, I'm gonna say, give me a hug and I'm gonna start talking to them about Jesus Christ because I know they're dying and they need him. I'm an evangelist often on stage. This church grows when you all realize that you're all evangelists and you know the doctor with the cure. You know the doctor with the truth that will set your neighbors and your friends and your work colleagues free of all the depression and the shackles of oppression and all the fear that they have because there is no power like Jesus Christ and God does not give you a, a spirit of fear but of power and of a sound mind. And that's what Jesus set me free from. And if He set you free from, then you need to go out and be the light of Jesus Christ. And every decision that you have, knowing that you're, you're with Him and He's with you, God, help me with this decision. Lord, help me to forgive. Lord, help me with this thing. I know I'm still struggling with this, but please help me. And that whole transformation begins when? When you realize that these lies that were taking you over the edge to give up is just the devil, and to the devil's face you do this. <laughs> devil, you talk to the foot because the ears ain't listening. <laughs> and you turn your back on the devil, go, na, 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 na. You're ugly. No, Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Read Psalm 139, write that down. Oh, and, and God's forgotten you. No, he has more precious thoughts to me than all the grains of sand in the world. Oh, you're nothing. No, I'm a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My dad is God and he loves me. He's my father in heaven who'll never leave me. He's a father to the fatherless. His grace is sufficient. He knows exactly what I need. I don't need arms and legs. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those, Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Yeah. I need strength, not arms and legs. People have arms and legs and no strength. People have arms and legs and no purpose. It's Jesus Christ that you need. I need the wings of the Holy Spirit. I need peace in my soul. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me for what for what so i can enjoy what god has blessed me with and help someone else find god's plan for them that's it i don't know what you want i know what i want let me tell you a beautiful story I was in Southern California preaching and there was a man sitting in the crowd holding up a little child, Daniel Martinez. Daniel had no arms or legs from birth. No medical explanation, little foot like me. I looked at him and I'm like, whoa. We gotta wrestle later on. We got the father to bring Daniel up on stage and little Daniel's looking up at me and I'm looking down at him and I can't give him a high five so I give him a low two. <laughs> Everyone started crying. I hugged his mom and said, she said, thank you for being our miracle. You know, it's weird when people say thank you to me because I didn't even write my story. 
I didn't know that they would be there. And I didn't know that that would happen. So how can she thank me? God wrote my story. He made it happen. Don't thank me. Thank God. I didn't do anything. I'm just living out the Christian walk and seeing miracles everywhere. It's all God. Nothing to do with Nick. Do you know how it felt to see my mom hug his mom? And my dad hug his dad and cry. When I saw him, I had a flashback of when I was a kid wishing that a limbless person could come to my school and talk about bullying. Can you imagine what that would have done for me? I didn't get that miracle. But now I'm that miracle for Daniel. Four years ago, Daniel was going to a mainstream school and I heard he was getting bullied and teased. So I went there in my wheelchair and I ran him all over. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's not Christ-like. <laughs> but I went there and talked about love and acceptance. And now he's the coolest kid in the school. Now I have to sit him down and talk about humility. <laughs> Do you know what I want? One day when I'm in heaven, going to be in my own legs with my new arms, and I'm going to hear my name. Hey, Nick! And I'll look, and it'll be Daniel Martinez running to me with his new legs, hugging me with his new arms. And he's, I'm sure we're going to cry because of joy. And he's going to say, I'm sure, thank you, brother, for helping me believe that this place called heaven was real. What do you want? God's plan, his wisdom, or your plan? I want God's. His ways and thoughts are higher than mine. Romans 8, 28, all things come together for the good for those who love him. Philippians 4, 13, for I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Everyone say, yeah, right. Hello. Be anxious for nothing. We're thinking, yeah, right. How do you do that, right? But listen to this. Be anxious for nothing, which is actually impossible, but supernatural. How? Very easy. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and let his peace that surpasses your understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Does Nick still cry? Absolutely. Does Nick still have ups and downs, ups and downs? Absolutely. Is Nick perfect? Absolutely not. Just ask my wife. <laughs> Far from perfect. But as you die to your own self and you find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, the penalty for sin is death. If Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then you don't have to die for your sins. 
That's the gospel message. And I believe in Jesus because it actually sounds logical. Why would I follow some prophet who never says that they're God? Jesus didn't say he was a prophet. He said he was God. Why would I follow someone, a man or a woman, who's never perfect? I follow Jesus because he is perfect. Why would I follow someone in some religion where they never actually say at all, because they could have said anything in any book, but they never said, no one ever said. I faced the devil face to face and won, and I stared death in the face, and I was dead for three days, and I rose myself from the grave because I am God. And I can conquer sin and I can conquer death. And those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you believe in the power of Jesus, well, then you live in the power of Jesus. It's logical. Some people who don't believe in God, they just say, well, yeah, well, we only believe in the Big Bang Theory. Well, so do I. God spoke, bang. But Nick, the earth is like six billion trillion years old. Great, when Adam was created, he wasn't a baby. Yes or no? It's true. Can God do anything? Yes, he can. Do I know all the answers? No. But let me tell you that nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. I'm actually going to call up the keys right now, if that's okay. I'll play keys, but I'm not warmed up yet. Just with some underscoring behind us. But when you look at this book, there is no book like this book. There is no love like the love of Jesus. How can I forgive someone who rapes my daughter? I don't have a daughter for the record, but how? How can I forget my bully at school? Forget what he did for me, to me, and forgive him, whether he says sorry or not. When you see what God can forgive for you, it's transformational. Let's say that Pastor Pat and I, we are friends, and I owe him a hundred bucks. He lent me a hundred bucks. And I go to Pat and I say, Pat, I'm so sorry, bro. Um, I can't pay you the hundred bucks back. And he says, okay, apology accepted. You're forgiven of your debt. And then I go out and I, and I do something with someone else. And they owe me one dollar. Who am I? After being forgiven of a hundred dollar debt to now say, no, I'm taking you to court for the dollar. You're going to pay up. When you know the true forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ, you teenagers who believe you're Christians just because you come to church, don't tell me you're a Christian if you gossip at school and tease people at school. 
because you don't know the love of God. When you understand the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the daily walk that we have with Him, saying, Lord, teach me your word. Lord, help me every day. Lord, thank you that it's not about competition in my job and this and that. It's me just being where you want me to be and I can pray for anything I want. You can. But if it's not your will, I trust you. It's that daily walk and trust with God. You got 30 seconds to breathe. Twenty-five. Who did you not forgive yet? Who did you not say sorry to? And who haven't you hugged in a while? Who have you not invited to church? Tomorrow's not promised. Are you walking with Jesus? Or are you walking alone? Do you sort of have Jesus in your iPhone sort of settings and you sort of pull Jesus out of your pocket when you sort of need Him? Or do you have an active relationship with Him? Maybe you've never started a relationship with Him and you figure out in your own mind a lie that says, well, God surely cannot forgive that. Yes, He can. Oh, yes, he can. I was in 2008 in India, Mumbai. We went into a brothel house that was probably half the size of this stage. And there was a woman on the floor. She was sitting upright. She looked about 144 years old. She had a tremor. She didn't even have the strength to close her mouth. She's like this. She's the only one in the house. This is the red light district in Mumbai, 2008, where on average in each one of these houses are six girls sold into slavery by their own parents at 700 US dollars at 10 years old. It's some of the cases. This woman was alone and we filled up that house with my crew and we had a camera crew there and on the wall, at the back wall, you see Indian gods from top to bottom, left to right and they're burning incense to them. Started to talk to her about Jesus. My friend who ministers to these girls, he brought me in. And I started talking and she was nodding through a translator, that's how we spoke. All of a sudden, this woman walks into the house and she's angry. She's so angry that we're there. I mean, she had her arms crossed like this. (laughs) She came in and we looked up at her and she came in. She says, who are you? What are you doing here? What are you talking about? My name is Nick and I'm sorry that we're here. I'm just talking about 
Jesus. She says, stop talking about Jesus. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I'm always hearing about this Jesus. Show me that your God is real. I don't want to hear about your God. If your God is real, make my sister walk. I said, excuse me? She said, this woman on the floor is my sister. Do you see that door? She has not walked out this door for four and a half years. If she went anywhere, it was because she was carried. Look at her. And I looked at her. I looked at her legs, skin and bone. She said, we're carrying her to the restroom. Look at her. She's dying. Last two weeks, she's really taken a turn for the worse. Four and a half years, haven't walked. So I said a quick prayer to God. I said, God... I just want you to be aware that she's really putting you on the spot here and not you putting me on the spot. So please, may I have your attention? (laughs) I had a little, 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 little bit of faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, Nick had a little, little, little bit of faith. Go. Come on, you guys didn't do it. I'm going to wait. Turn to the person next to you and say, Nick had a little, little, little amount of faith. You know what the Bible says about a little, little, little amount of faith? Is that a faith of a mustard seed can move what? Mountains. So we started praying. And I said, okay, get up and walk in Jesus' name. And I got two of my guys to start lifting her up. And as she's trying to bring her body in a perfectly vertical position, she is in a lot of pain. Her face was just excruciating pain all over her body. You could just see it. And my brain's like, Nick, you're an idiot. You don't even know if God's going to do this. And look at the pain you're putting her through. She started sort of hobbling like this. And she tried to put her right foot down and went, ah, like this. We sat her down in a chair. And I looked at the sister and the sister was still angry. And I said, God... No, we're going to pray a little bit more. So we start massaging her legs. And in, in about, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds later, her, her face from this changes to this. And I said, what? She said, I'm ready. I said, no, 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 no. We need to pray a little bit more. How silly the evangelist prays for the paralyzed woman and the paralyzed woman says I'm ready and the evangelist says no <laughs> Nick had a what little 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 amount of faith so after we prayed a little bit more I said okay get up and walk in Jesus name I said do you need help she said no she gets up all by herself straight no pain she's looking down She's testing out her feet. The pain's gone. She starts walking like this and we're all like. She's walking faster and faster and faster. She gets so excited. She starts clapping her hands, shouting and starting to jump. I'm thinking, honey, don't break the legs that God just healed. Her sister went to the wall of God's and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, no, 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 no. I said, haven't you prayed for them, to them for four and a half years that she would walk? She said, yeah. I said, your gods are dead. And Jesus is alive. And he loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins. 
That woman didn't give her life to Jesus, but the one who walked did, not right there and then, but two weeks later. She's no longer with us. But here's the amazing part of the story. You thought that was good? Watch this. We get back to the hotel with my Indian friend and he's looking pale. And it's hard for an Indian man to look pale, but he looks pale. <laughs> and he says, Nick, I got to tell you. I said, what? He said, that woman wasn't just any woman. I said, who was she? He said, that woman was the woman, the one who started that 10-acre brothel district. She recruited the pimps and madams and the kidnappers. She destroyed thousands of people's lives. She was evil. Friend, you can run a million miles an hour in the wrong direction, and you can't get away from God. His love pursues you. And a million miles an hour is nothing for God. He's waiting. When will you turn back? When, you, when will you come back? I'm here. And for as long as the door of grace is open, he who has ears, let him hear. Faith comes by hearing of the Word. So now you have heard the Word of the Lord. And with that little, little, little amount of faith, you need to stop worrying about what you don't know and act upon what you do know. And begin that journey. An active relationship with Him. So right now I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. If you already have a relationship with Jesus, fantastic but if you don't and you know that your heart is not right before the Lord I want to give you an opportunity in a moment to stand where you're at and then come forward and as you come forward once everyone is gathered up here then we're going to say a prayer now you're already thinking oh I'm not coming up there well first of all I'm not going to lay a hand on you. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you for money. I can't even take your money. Don't be a friend. If you know you need to make a stand for your faith, out of all the times that you've ever had, this is the time to stand up for your faith. Because if you do not today, I don't know what tomorrow holds. And if not today, and if not now, that you cannot stand up for your faith, in this moment, you will not be able to stand up for your faith out these doors. So yes, God can hear your prayer from where you're at, but this is a stand for you and your faith in Jesus. And so right now, if you know that you need to make your life right with Jesus Christ, just like this young man who came up first without me officially doing a call, just come right up in the middle.
If you know that you need to make your life right with Jesus right now, grab your things. Don't leave your phone. Don't leave your wallet so you're not thinking about that later. Grab your wallet. Grab your phone so you're not distracted. If you know you need to make your life right with Jesus Christ this morning, stand to your feet and come down the front and ask God to come into your life, to heal you, to set you free, to give you the truth of your value and your purpose and your destiny that's greater than you could ever imagine. Just stand and come. Come on, just stand and come. Come with your family. Come with your friend. If that's you, just come on down. I'm going to wait for you. Come on, let's give God a shout of glory as many people are coming down right now. Let's give God a shout of glory as people stand up all across this place to come on down right now. You're not too young. You're not too old. This is the time. This is you. This is God. This is Jesus. He loves you. He's calling. He's knocking at your door. Do not wait. Stand and come on down. You guys down the front, I need you to push that way because there's people coming down the aisles. Push that way. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Go, go. Everyone down that way. Yeah, keep pushing. That aisle, keep on going right. We've got a lot more people coming down. There's like 100 people coming down. Literally, 100 people on this side of the room, about 10 on this side of the room. People are still moving. Keep pushing through. Don't sit there. Keep going through. Keep coming through. Keep going that way. Go that way. Keep going that way. You're coming down the aisle. Just walk up that way a little bit. We want everyone as close to the front. Last call, final call. If you know you need to make your life right with Jesus, don't hesitate for one more second. Get up. Get up in Jesus' name and come on down. You want to come down with your wife? You grab her hand and say, honey, we're doing this. I need to make my life right with Jesus Christ. Come on down. Teenager, there is no fence that you're sitting on. You're either living for God or you're living your way. And whatever you think you're going to sacrifice to say yes to God, trust me, whatever you think you have in your hand, watch this. If you're holding on to something with your hand, your hand is closed, correct? When your hand is closed, you cannot receive more. God wants to give you more than you could ever hold in your hands. So open up your hand. Let whatever you think you need to let go, let go and come on down. God will not shortchange you. He loves you. If you see someone coming down, I want you to applaud so we know everyone's up the front. I see them coming down. Last call, final call. Come on down right now. Quick, 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 quick. Come on down. That's 10 more people right there. That's three more, four more right there. Come on down. This is it. This is it. This is it. One, two, three more, four more, five more, six, seven, eight, nine. Stand and come on down. That's it. Keep running down. She's running down. Excellent. If you're coming, you've got to start running. Last call. Anyone? Done? Great. Beautiful. Let's give a big shout of glory to God for what He's done this morning.
my goodness, 20, 20, 100, 100. There are about 230 to 250 people up the front. Can we give God a big shout of glory? Huge, huge, probably more. Let's bow our heads as we are. Lord, we thank you so much for Redmond's. We thank you for this city. We thank you that you have awesome plans for this church. We thank you, Lord, for every single person here, and we uplift every prayer request that is represented in this room. And we pray in Jesus' name for miracles. Sickness and diseases, everything in our bodies. We plead the blood of Jesus and the power of God. We say, be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, if it's not your will that we get a physical miracle today, the greatest miracle of all is knowing you. So we thank you for this morning. If you're up the front, would you say out loud with me, say, dear God, I come to you today and I thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Please heal me, comfort me, and fill me with your peace. Forgive me, Lord, for everything I've done wrong. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me to pray and to search for you, for your plans. Speak to me, God. And whatever happens, give me faith to know that you're with me and you'll never leave me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.